Hey guys, how's your week going? I just have an incredible episode for you today with Jenny Stinney. Well, at least that's what her Instagram is. I was fangirling her for a while. Her name's Jen Stinnett, and she's really, really good at working out at home. And so I really have enjoyed a lot of her videos on Instagram. And I was about to reach out to her, and then she got pregnant with twins. So in today's episode, we kind of go through She got pregnant in college with her first and like navigating that world. And then like her next pregnancy was a loss. So trigger warning for this episode. Then her next pregnancy with her child Gabe and how different those labors were. And then she gets pregnant again. Boom. Twins. So there's a lot of birth stories in today's episode. So let's just get to it. What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. So like, let's say you're pregnant. That's why you're listening to the birth story podcast and you're preparing for a hospital birth that's upcoming. And of course, this podcast gives you tons of free information, right? But like, do you really understand the stages of labor? How to know when you're in labor? What if you have to have an induction? What about a cesarean section? What about all of the decisions that you have to make once you get to the hospital? So you get there and then they put you in triage. Birth Story Academy walks you through all the things that happen, like that rapid fire with like monitoring and blood work and questions and IV ports and do you want an epidural? I don't know, do you? In Birth Story Academy, we literally break down all of those decisions pros, cons, risks, benefits, intuition. And like we get into it. We make birth plans. We do birth visions. We listen to birth affirmations and parenting affirmations. And like at the end of it, like you know exactly what's going to happen when you go into labor and when you get to the hospital. What's going to happen after you give birth? Newborn care preferences. How to take care of your baby. I guess what I'm getting at is... If you're not in Birth Story Academy, what's your plan? I want you to come join me in Birth Story Academy and let me walk you through all of the decisions that you have to make if you're having a hospital birth and how to have body autonomy and how to have informed consent and informed refusal. I'm going to teach you and your partner, if you have one, everything that you need to know about birthing in a hospital so that you can walk in that door with some swagger. 
with some confidence, wash that anxiety away because you learned everything you needed to learn in Birth Story Academy and you are ready to crush that birth. Okay, let's do it. And let's get to this episode. Hey, Jenny, welcome to the Birth Story Podcast. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm so great. And I love following you on Instagram. And I'm really excited that we're able to finally connect. And I have wanted to connect with you before you even had twins. And so here we are. (laughs) I know it's crazy. I feel like it's gone by so fast. Um, And actually, you're the one person that I reached out to first, because when I got pregnant with the twins, it was kind of like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. And then I was like, I have to reach out to her for like, any resources or um, just other twin moms that you know, you've worked with and whatever. So you were the first person, one of the first people that I reached out to. Yeah. And I don't even know how I started following you. I was because I've been following you for a long time. But I think it was mostly like watching you do the workouts like in your backyard. And I was like, okay, I can (laughs) do this. (laughs) And I think it was after Gabe because Gabe's birth was unmedicated and fast and natural. And I think like I might have like hashtag something that you like followed me after I had Gabe all the way back in 2019. Yeah, it's crazy. I was like, you never know how you connect with like different people on Instagram, but (laughs) I'm glad that I've been following you. And I really think this is a great time to be recording. So you guys, we're going to dig into Jenny's birth stories. She's got three um, live births and one loss. And so single, single loss and then twins. So just trigger warning, we are going to talk about loss today. And so if this episode isn't going to serve you, then um, go ahead and skip it or fast forward through that part. But we're going to talk about like how different birth can be. And like, and then like twins, I just can't even with this. So, (laughs) so Jenny, let's start at the beginning. Like take us back to like your very first pregnancy how old were you? Um, so I was 22 and still in college okay. when I got pregnant with Bruce. Yep. Tell me about what life was like for you. Like, what were you doing um, in college? What were you studying? Um, I was a psychology major at James Madison, and I actually transferred in there from community college. Um, I had moved around a lot. Um And then I was in Jacksonville, Florida. That's where my mom lives. And I moved up to Virginia to be with my dad and then ended up transferring into James Madison from Community College of Virginia. So I was a psych major and ended up getting pregnant there my second semester and went back pregnant um, just to, you know, get through a couple more classes, went on hold for a semester, had Bruce, um, and then pretty much changed my entire life. Like I was kind of on a a path of um, not making the greatest decisions, obviously, um, being in college and getting pregnant, like without a plan. Um, But it was such a great pivotal moment for me and um, changed the trajectory of my life in a great way. It didn't feel like it at the time, but it, it really did. Um, I ended up graduating a couple years after that we you know my husband and I have been married since right around the time Bruce was born 
um, and just kind of making it work <laughs> in mm-hmm. uh, the Northern Virginia area, expanded our family um, in 2019. So our first was turning four and then we had our second and then fast forward and we had twins <laughs> a couple <laughs> years later, completely different, um, just different births and life experiences out of all four or well, all four kids pre-pregnancies. Well, one of my favorite books is called Transformed by Birth. And I had the author Britta Bushnell on a couple of months ago. And it's one of the most powerful podcast episodes that I've recorded also. But it really speaks to the fact that birth and pregnancy transform us every time in new and in different ways. And so I love the way that you articulated that. Like, here you are, this 22-year-old like college student, just kind of like mm-hmm. flittering around and trying to figure life out. And pregnancy transforms us. And it can motivate us in really good ways to have a becoming, you know? And mm-hmm. some people embrace that. Some don't. It sounds like you really embraced it and have done a lot of cool things with your life. So let's dig into Bruce's birth story. So you're oh you're young and I mean, like young to me. I mean, my mom had my brother at 19. So like, you know, our family is used to young, but I didn't have a baby yeah. until 37. So 22 you know, I'm thinking back on life at 22 and I'm thinking that feels young. (laughs) It was, and it was a fun time. So like having some of that taken away maybe. So tell me about how you found out you were pregnant. So, um, we actually found out we were both, we had both done May semester. So that was, um, after the spring semester ends, you stay for four weeks and it's like a condensed class. Um, so we both stayed for that. And before we left, he just was like, um, I think we should take a pregnancy test. And I was on birth control. So it's like, I don't, I think I'm fine. And it was the day before we left to go back home. He was doing an internship and I was, you know, going to be waiting tables, just saving up money for the next semester. And it, it was positive and it was kind of in a, in a complete, oh shit moment for me. Um, and it was not a great time. Obviously I wasn't doing the greatest in school. <laughs> it just wasn't, I just didn't have direction at the time. And so I actually, um, full disclosure, did go to Planned Parenthood. And that was my first stop when I got home was I was going to, you know, confirm it. But it was something that I didn't feel like I could talk to my family about at the time. (laughs) And it was kind of a shameful thing for me. And so, um, but I did go to Planned Parenthood and for me, looking at the ultrasound was just that moment where I knew in my heart that I was going to be a mom and um, didn't go through with anything at Planned Parenthood and went to waiting tables for the summer. And he ended up coming down because he was his family was in Northern Virginia. My family was in Virginia Beach. His internship with, was in Richmond, which was the halfway point between the two. And he came down and surprised me one night and we just were like, we're going to figure it out. We're going to make it work. And from there, we ended up getting engaged. Both went back to James Madison for the fall, which was really heavy um, for me. 
uh, being at a kind of James Madison's, it's a great school, but it's also a party school. And being pregnant during that semester, I, you know, it was in my head a lot. I thought that people were pointing fingers at me probably more than they really were, but it just, everything felt so heavy at that time. It wasn't, it wasn't poorly received from our families, but it wasn't like a celebratory thing from And you were living on campus? Yeah. Well, no, I wasn't on campus, but James, JMU, it's like, um, the underclassmen stay on campus, but everything's apartments off campus. Okay. So, I mean, it's very much kind of like that. It's kind of like off campus dorm apartments. Were you allowed to live together because you were engaged? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Okay. Um, so I had my own apartment. He had his, we definitely stayed together a lot. (laughs) Um, very frequently. I mean, you need some foot rubs at night. It's so hard. Hey, let me just say right now, I'm proud of you for choosing life. That's not an easy thing to do. No, it's not. And I am proud of you for staying together. And I'm proud of you for going back to college. Yeah. I I mean, this is really inspiring. I I appreciate you saying that because it was not easy. Um, And especially like I didn't have something in my life where I school was the route to get there. So it was one of those things where I wasn't fired up about school. Um, You know, I feel like our generation specifically, it was you go to school and then you'll get a job. And then it's kind of been like, well, enjoy your student debt and good luck, (laughs) you know. So I didn't have that like the thing that I was on fire about. Um, but I, I knew I needed to go back and, you know, all our families were really, you know, pushing for me, me to go back to school. Um, but yeah, so, so we did that. He ended up graduating that December and then we moved to Northern Virginia where his family lives from there. Yeah. Is that specifically so you could have family support? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and, and a little help in the job market in the Northern Virginia, DC area for what my husband, you know, was going to be doing is it's a great spot to be. So. Okay. So what do you know about pregnancy, birth? Like, like you had nine months, right? How, yes. Like, did you read books? Did you listen to podcasts? Did you like, what did you, did you watch stories on tv like where where was your headspace as a college student well so my pregnancy wasn't as well received as I would have liked and it was just kind of a stressful time so I kind of internalized a lot and kind of just went with what was being told to me by you know the the physicians that I was seeing at the time so that changed from I was on my dad's insurance so it was naval care, TRICARE. Um, So I was seeing a naval doctor and then it went from being up in Harrisonburg at JMU and seeing, you know, the doctors up there. And so every place was a little bit different, um, but I didn't know much. Um, Bruce's or my husband's sister, she was pregnant at the same time as me. And she recommended a book called Bringing Up BB. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but it's real. It was just about sleep and um, from a French perspective. Uh, I don't really remember much specifically about the book except for um, feet introducing foods and sleeping with the baby. But I honestly, I 
didn't listen to podcasts at the time. I was just kind of like my birth plan was I'll play it by ear. (laughs) So that's just how it went. And Bruce's father is actually a a medical doctor as well. Um, So he, it, it was good to have his guidance as well. So when I went into labor, he was kind of there to, oh, time the contractions and, oh, okay, this is when you need to go to the hospital. And oh, so it was just very, you know. This is what know, we call denial, Jenny. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> that sounds about right. Whenever my clients at like, you know, we'll have different check-ins and stuff because we really don't start like digging into childbirth education and birth preferences and stuff until after about 30 weeks. And they're like, I mean, I just was going to like go with the flow. I hired a doula. And I'm like, so when you're ready to get out of denial that you're having a baby, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll dig into some things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, I love that Bruce's dad was like timing your contractions. <laughs> so tell me about that. Like where so you were at their your in-laws house. Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. And it was it's hilarious because and I have a great relationship with them, you know, and everything. But it was still new and it was like we weren't married and they're a very conservative Christian family. And so like it was still we're not as close as we are now. So I went into labor and I was laboring at midnight and I was laboring by myself because I just needed to be by myself. So I remember drawing a bath in their, you know, in the bathroom. And then in the morning, Bruce, you know, went into the kitchen where they were and he was like, I think Jen's in labor. So he timed the contractions and Bruce's mom immediately made me a smoothie. And I remember cussing and uh, like just apologizing for cussing because they were so, you know, Christian and they didn't cuss or anything like that. And I have kind of a mouth of a sailor. So <laughs> I just, and of course, I'm like trying to work through contractions. I had no idea what it was going to be like. And I just remember begging for anything that would stop the pain. And so he timed my contractions and we ended up going to the hospital and they measured me. My water hadn't broken yet. And I remember I was only three centimeters. So they were like, you can labor for a little bit, but we might send you back home. And I looked at them like they were crazy. <laughs> You're not sending me home. This is too painful. Yeah. And and then just walking through the hallway, I remember drinking ice water and then or I ended up like feeling I was going to throw up and my water broke on the table and it was um, showing signs that he had meconium. Yeah. Um, And so at that time I was like between four and five centimeters and they're like, you ready for the epidural? Do you want an epidural? And I was like, yeah, get the epidural. (laughs) Just begging for it. Yes. Make it go away. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because I just never, I didn't know what it was going to be like. I was just kind of winging it. Like you said, denial. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Jenny, I got something to share with you though. I'm a doula. I knew exactly what it was going to be like. And I still asked for the epidural when I was two centimeters dilated. And they were telling me they were going to send me home because I wasn't in labor. And I was like, I am in labor. Yeah, I told them, I'm like, I'm in labor, you know, Um, very hard. The first births are very hard and very long Mm -hmm. and very exhausting, you know. Mm -hmm. And when your water breaks, it's like a whole new game, too. Oh, yeah. So I I remember, so they they gave me the epidural, and honestly, 
the epidural freaks me out to this day. I just, the whole process and just realizing that it's going into my spine just freaks me out. And I remember the nurse was such a gem. She held me. And I just remember my husband's face when he saw the epidural, like his eyes got so big. Like the needle, you mean? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, but he was very supportive and we just kind of labored and they put the epidural in maybe at like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning. And Brucey was delivered at 544 in the afternoon. Yeah. So you had less than a 24 hour labor, but it sounds Mm -hmm. like you did a lot of the labor through the night on your own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you sleep much that night or were you just in and out of the bathtub and just... Kinda. I was in and out. I was, I don't think I got out of the bathtub. I think that I just like transitioned from sitting up to my laying on my side to letting the water shower over me yeah. and just honestly just breathing and kind of thinking to myself, oh my gosh, it's coming. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely it. This has to be it. <laughs> and so it was slowly building. It wasn't like, oh, yeah. you know, no, it wasn't, it wasn't how it's portrayed, you know, in, yeah. in movies and stuff, which was pretty much the only context I had. Um, I had my, at the time, and this will kind of come full circle later, but my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, she's my Nana. I had her, I would call her because she had four and she is the one who had the maternal pass down for twins. Okay. So, and I just remember, cause you know, being in college, like I said, that was really hard on me. And so I would, you know, call her periodically and just talk to her and um, just talk to her about childbirth. And of course, she had all her kids, well, three of her kids in the 60s. So childbirth for her is just a completely different ballgame. Mm-hmm. She didn't even know the difference between what it's like now versus what she went through. But she probably didn't even have an ultrasound with those twins. She didn't. She didn't know that she had twins. Yep. I was and they say. came they came super early. They came at like 33 weeks. They were not very big, two or three pounds a piece, very small. And, um, you know, they're fine. I'm close, super close with my aunt. Uh, but she had my mom and my aunt and uncle within the same year. So she had twins <laughs> and an Irish, like Irish triplets, I guess. I just cannot imagine. <laughs> I cannot. And I mean, you have twins, so you can probably imagine more than the all yes. of us listening right now. But right. cannot imagine. So, no. so did you call your Nana in labor? Um, with Brucey, no, I didn't. Okay. No, I wasn't no, sure because I think just because Bruce's parents were there and because his dad, you know, is a doctor and was just kind of like, I didn't, I don't even think I called my own family. I think I just was like mm-hmm. with my husband and trying to. I remember getting the epidural and telling him that I would have 10 more babies <laughs> and then not even realizing we would have four. <laughs> hey and you're only 31 years old right i know i know i think i'm i think i'm done now <laughs> I think I'm done. the word think is strong in that um, sentence yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is jenny so um after the epidural went in did you get to i mean it wasn't till 5 45 p.m so did you get to like take a nap or kind of like rest and let go did it work did the epidural work Oh yeah, it okay. definitely worked. Yeah. Okay. Um, I rested. I think we watched a movie. 
and I kind of went in and out of sleep, dozed a little bit. And then I, I was 10 centimeters at five o'clock and I remember the nurses and then Nick, you had to come in because of the meconium. Okay. And so that was kind of scary because the heart rate was dropping periodically throughout the labor. And I didn't really understand at the time what, what that meant. I think I honestly believe that how naive I was in the first pregnancy saved me a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. because these things are things that I definitely stressed about in my, specifically the twin pregnancy. Okay. Um, I think I just was, I think my go with the flow d- denial, like I like that you worded it like that because that's definitely what it was. And I never even thought of it that way, but um I think that was that attitude probably just saved me a tremendous amount of stress. So I can see um, that sometimes ignorance is bliss, right? mm -hmm. Versus hyper focusing on these heart decelerations, which are completely normal. Like as the baby's head gets lower and gets squeezed, especially after your water's broken, the squeezes get stronger. Sometimes there's a squeeze on the umbilical cord or the umbilical cord's wrapped around the neck or pinched. And so these are really normal decelerations and they typically come right back up when the contraction's yeah. over. But if you're focusing on them, they're going to totally freak you out, right? Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So you pushed 45 minutes, it sounds like. I did. Right? I did. Um, which mm-hmm. is not too, too long. And mm-hmm. um, for those of you listening, NICU comes in anytime there's meconium. That doesn't mean the baby's going to go to the NICU. It just means that there's a, a neonatal intensive care like res- t- team that can resuscitate should the baby need that extra support. So did Brucey end up needing that support? No, he did not actually. So okay. um, they came in. So it was funny. I gave birth and dad went immediately over to where Brucey was. Okay. And, you know, there's no baby. I didn't get initial skin to skin contact. They took him. Okay. But it was just this little cart that they rolled into the room. And they just kind of cleaned him up, made sure that he could breathe. Okay. Um, I think that's that's really what they want. So he came out crying, which was, a, you know, the nurse immediately said to me, he's crying. Great sign. Good job, mom. So I was immediately reassured. Awesome. Um, and he went with him. And then within like maybe 20 minutes or so, um, he was on me and we were latching. Okay. So it really wasn't that that big of a deal. I know friends personally that have, you know, the babies had to go all the way to NICU. Uh, We just had to do the cart in the room and everything was good to go after that. Okay. So So. for someone who really didn't prepare that much, I mean, and I do this for a living, it doesn't sound like it was a terrible birth by any means. No, it it wasn't. Sounds like you and I love that you labored alone for like 10 or 11 hours right through the middle of the night. I mean, that sounds wonderful. But um, I've heard you say the word naive a couple of times for this birth. So what's different about n- baby number two, Gabe's birth? Like what changed for you when you got pregnant again? Gabe actually came after the loss. So I miscarried oh, okay. in between Gabe or in between Bruce and Gabe. And so okay. Gabe, I was 
very anxious, like just because I wanted to make sure that every appointment I knew heart rate, I, I be like, honestly, it was a complete polar opposite of what I was in Bruce's pregnancy. And also my exercise and diet was completely different okay. during Gabe's pregnancy. It was like, um, it, I mean, and I had figured out health and fitness after I had had Bruce. So I think it just was, it wasn't necessarily because I was pregnant. It was just because that that's how I had changed in between the two kids. Okay. Um, so this makes yeah. sense more. I initially thought that you had had two live births and then a loss. So to go from that experience and then to have had a miscarriage mm-hmm. and then like everything is different after a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. everything. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that loss? Sure. No, not at all. So we we decided we were going to start trying for a second child at the end of 2017, um, like towards the end, so November. So we got pregnant immediately. And something didn't feel right to me and in my gut before I went to the first appointment and I ended up going and the doctor or the ultrasound tech came in and like, I'm not detecting a heart rate. It could be nothing. We'll like send you home. And then if you start bleeding, come back in or, um, we're going to schedule appointment. Maybe everything will be fine by this date. And then a couple of days later I did start bleeding. And so I called the doctor and I ended up getting an advice nurse and I was like, Hey, I'm bleeding. I was told to call if I start bleeding. And, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm miscarrying. And she responded back. If you were miscarrying, you would know. And she kind of had an attitude with me. And I was like, she is, that didn't sound like a very empathetic response from an advice nurse at an OBGYN office. (laughs) And so yeah, I, I like I continued to bleed like it started very minor. And then it progressed. And like I said, my husband's father's a doctor and my husband called his dad. Because and my husband is not a worry wart. He's not like he's kind of a rub some dirt on dirt on it type of guy. Like you're fine, brush it off. But his dad came over. He's like, I think you need to come over. So he came over. He's like, Oh, you're gray. You need to go to the emergency room. And I was losing a ton of blood at this point. And I end up going to the ER, and it was honestly one of the worst experiences I've ever had obviously losing a baby is a horrible experience in itself but going to the emergency room after you've been told by the advice nurse that if you were miscarrying you would know and I go in nobody will tell me like what confirm what's going on and then the ultrasound tech in the ER was the one that what she can't tell me but she is the one that told me that like there is no there's nothing anymore you must have cleared it like either while you were here or you know at home before you came in but you were continuing to bleed yeah I was continuing to bleed and so they just like kept a watch on me and then they hooked me up to an IV um yeah and any pain medicine given or offered they kept so they kept saying they were going to give me pain meds and then they never did. <laughs> they just never, it was just an awful experience altogether. All um, and I just remember leaving that 
uh, the hospital and kind of being numb for a little while after that. Um, it's one of those experiences where you wonder what happened and you always wonder what happened, you know, it kind of leaves a pit and then you don't, you have to surrender uh, if you continue to try after that um, to the experience and, and trust and, and all those things. And we did that, but I still felt like kind of detached my whole pregnancy with Gabe, but obsessed about my doctors and like making sure that my body was going to be able to like give birth. So all yeah, of that was, makes sense. I mean, you yeah. studied psychology, right? Like yeah. all of that makes sense that you had a really traumatic miscarriage. Like you were not seen, you were not heard, you were not nurtured, you were not taken care of. And from, from the time you made a phone call all the way through the emergency room, I mean, the system failed you. Like mm-hmm. they failed to to give you medical care, first of all. I mean, and I wouldn't call an IV medical care. Like no. they failed no. to give you medical care, but they really fail failed to give you any sort of emotional care at all. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back to um your husband's dad. So at this point, they knew you were pregnant or did not know that you were pregnant? Or yeah. Like- they, so we we have actually told them very early on okay. um, in every experience. Okay. Yeah. Just because it's it's their support, their prayer, you know, yeah. like I just feel like it's always a, a good thing to tell them. Okay, good. I was wondering if you were like, hey, and by the way, I'm having a miscarriage because I'm pregnant. Like, you know, like passing to your mm-hmm. father-in-law, like in that moment or not. So he already knew and he knew that. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming that he sent you to the emergency room trusting and praying and hoping that mm-hmm. these people in this community were going to take care of his daughter-in-law. Yeah. And then they yeah, didn't. Did. So what advice do you have for lost moms that are miscarrying? Like maybe they found their way to the podcast. Like, is there something that advice that you would give as far as like advocacy and self-care to help get through a miscarriage at home versus like a DNC or a DNE, right? Like you had a natural miscarriage. Yeah. yeah. Um, kind of hard because every situation is so unique and different, but I mean, just telling yourself it's okay and it's not your fault and doing whatever it takes to be in that, that vibration, I guess. So for me, it looks like taking time to do the subtle things that bring me back to earth. So it's grounding, you know, walking around barefoot outside. It's continue on, continuing on with an exercise program it's putting love and compassion into what's in your life now and just trying to release yourself of any guilt that you might feel and also surrender and trust that it can happen for you and and to get your body and your mind into the best place for for that to to happen for you um i truly believe that it's a hard thing to get through and get, uh, I, I don't think you ever get over it though. I think that's, that's the piece is you never really get over that pain. It always stings a little bit, um, moving forward, but yeah, I think just center, always center yourself and have a routine that gets you centered. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about your routine because something that changed for you from being like, 
young college girl, right? Like, <laughs> yes, I'll just go with the flow. Then you go through two, I mean, like, like, let's say three major life events, right? Like you get married, you have a planned pregnancy this time, you lose the, this baby, you had already given birth, you know, successfully before, right? Like, so at some point you start evolving and growing and changing. And so what did life look like then when you got pregnant with Gabe? Like, what were you guys doing? What were um, those so routines and rituals? I had become a personal trainer and I was actually home from the gym environment. I was in the gym environment for about a year and then we came home because the schedule is it's hard for growing families but at that time I was kind of just being a mom and I would utilize the gym daycare because it's amazing I know a lot of other people's quality of gym care might not be as high but we've been extremely blessed with our gym um so that became a huge um, saving grace because it also provided you know my child with a place to socialize and uh, they they actually offer classes and stuff at the gym for him so just became a part of our routine and that structure really helps me still to this day um, an outlet for my body for my mind it's literally like therapy for me so yeah so Brucey and I would do that and um I just would go maybe four times a week. And then when we weren't there, we're just kind of exploring the area. Northern Virginia has been the one place I've lived the longest, but I had never lived here before. So, you know, over the last several years, it's just been kind of exploring and figuring out new places to go. And it's a great historical area. We figured that out, lots of trails. So got into hiking. And then I ended up writing a children's book when I was pregnant with Gabe because I had this idea. Brucey actually said the title Monsters Can't Do Yoga. That sounds like a good children's book title. And I kind of just had it in the back of my head. And I was maybe seven months pregnant with Gabe. And I said to my husband, I was like, I think I'm going to write a children's book. Okay, (laughs) go ahead. And I had I had dabbled a little bit in photography in that time. I was just kind of soul searching, really. I sat down and in one week wrote the book. And like I said earlier, I feel like with each each pregnancy, I've evolved and um, new creations have come with the life I've created. I'm creating within me, and I've definitely dialed in on that. And it's been more of a conscious feeling, you know, with the twins and everything. But yeah, so at that time, it was really just getting more structure into our lives, you know, figuring out the flow of having a family and schedules and um, meal planning and figuring out what I'm going to do moving forward because being a mom and having a career is really, really challenging task, especially in 2023. So I think that was the time period where I was just figuring that all out. But also still, I don't think I, I do not think that I handled my miscarriage the best I could have. I feel like I could have dealt with it in a different way that wouldn't have been so suppressed for so long and kind of leaked into my pregnancy. 
I don't think I enjoyed my pregnancy with Gabe as much as I I could have had I healed a little bit differently at the time. What do you mean by that? Like going to therapy or? Yeah, I think going to therapy, like just to kind of grief process a little bit better than I did. Yeah, we have about five different um, perinatal specialists and postpartum specialists here in my area in Charlotte, North Carolina, that specialize in kind of loss and um, pregnancy after loss. And so I really encourage anyone listening to like take Jenny's advice on this. And really, if you have a miscarriage, just even girlfriends that you can talk about it and just, you know, there's something about just saying it out loud over and over again and processing it that each time can can give you clarity or lightness when we get it out of our body. So mm-hmm. I agree with that. And to your point on friendships, I, one of my best friends here, she went through a miscarriage around the same time I did and then got pregnant around the same time I did. She was due a month after me. I ended up going a week overdue and she went at 36 weeks. So the, our sons are literally a week apart and their temperaments are so similar. They're both wild (laughs) maniacs. So I mean, still to this day, we get together, we hike and stuff together, but she helped me. I remember I was going through it. I was just kind of in my feelings about the miscarriage and she was too. And she came out and at that time, my son was finishing up daycare and I was like, I need to go pick him up, but I want to walk. I was like, it's right up the road. It was like a, it was like a two mile walk there. And then we're like, go the long way home and end up being a nine mile walk. <laughs> And we did it together and it was such a like silly thing, but I hope you had a stroller. We did. We had a stroller. I don't really remember. It was also really cold that day, but it's one of those things that we did and it didn't make any sense, but I feel it was something that was kind of healing for both of us. Just connecting with, I mean, sometimes I feel like our wombs are talking to each other. You know, sometimes I'm in Mm -hmm. an elevator with a bunch of women and I'm like, La 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 la, cut it out, (laughs) cut it out. You know what I mean? I'm feeling what you're feeling. So how much time was between your loss and your conception with Gabe? Four months. Four months. Four months. So for those listening, you're hyper fertile after a miscarriage. And so like I often have people that call me and say, hey, Heidi, I want to interview you to be my doula. And then maybe they hire me or maybe like I'm waiting for them to make a decision and then they'll call and say that they actually experienced a miscarriage. And then like literally 40 days later, they'll call back and be like, I'm pregnant again. <laughs> like, it's like, whoa, what a roller coaster. Yes. Um. So in those four months though, like were you and your husband, like, were you like, let's try again right away. I mean, did you even talk about it? Like what, you know what I'm saying? Like there's living in between grief and the possibility of hope and joy, like that it could happen again. I mean, that's a really hard space to balance. Like I'm grieving, Mm -hmm. but I'm also ovulating, you know? Yes. Right. And And eager. Yeah. Yeah. So what did that look like for you guys? We waited a I think we made it two months and then we tried one month, didn't get pregnant. And then we tried the next month and did get pregnant. Okay. 
and I just remember coming out of the bathroom, taking the test and having it flipped over and being so nervous to look at it and showing it to him and his smile, you know, was like, oh, you're pregnant again. And I saw his smile and that made me happy, but I didn't feel that same joy immediately. Like I felt paranoid, I guess would be the best word to describe how I felt like paranoid that I was just going to lose it again and then detached because it took me it took me literally until Gabe was born to attach myself to him and with Brucey as stressful as that pregnancy was I felt attached to him the entire pregnancy it was like everything else is kind of negative and stressful but my bond with him is very much there with Gabe I didn't feel that way at all and I think that's just the process of not trusting yeah were you able to feel that bond pretty quickly after he was born oh yeah immediately and it's because that birth (laughs) so I was a week overdue and I was scheduled to be induced on a Monday morning gosh so he was born so I was scheduled to be induced Monday, January 21st of 2019 okay. and Saturday night. And I was really pissed off about having to be induced. I didn't want to be induced. It I wanted it, nothing to do with it. <laughs> was it medically recommended like for a reason, like preeclampsia or was it just like your 41 no. weeks? It was just your 41 weeks. He's evicted. Okay. <laughs> and okay. so I was just kind of like, okay, you know, they're not going to deliver the baby unless I do this. So I guess that's what I have to do. And then (laughs) that Saturday night, my husband was like, we're just going to get these sandwiches that like, I really loved these sandwiches while I was pregnant. Um, He's like, we're going to get these. We'll watch a comedy special. We'll just hang out. And I was eating the sandwich, but like, not really. And I was just kind of sitting there, wasn't laughing at the comedy. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, I think I'm having contractions, but I'm not sure. So he texts his mom. He's like, I think Jen's having contractions. She's like, time them. So <laughs> I, they go from 20 minutes to 10 minutes. And it's like 930 at this point. And then it goes from 10 minutes to six minutes. Not even skipping a beat. Yeah, and girl. I'm second just, babies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like. It's 11 o'clock at this point and our doorbell rings and my husband's like, who the heck's at the door? So he like goes down, like it's somebody to break into the house and it's his dad and his dad's like, because at this point my contractions are four minutes away and he, his dad's very, very mellow. He's literally the most calm man I know. And he's like, Jen's going to need to go to the hospital right now. I'm going to take Bruce for you. Brucey for you. Brucey was sleeping. I still remember his little face getting him out of like they got him out of bed. Not I was laboring at that point. Um, and then I get a text from my mother in law that's like, "Don't try to labor at home. Go to the hospital now." Yeah. So they leave because she knows those second babies. They oh, just are yeah. in a hurry, man. Yes. It's so I get to the hospital at twelve thirty. And they get me a wheelchair and I'm like, I think I'm in labor, but I'm not sure because it did not feel like the first time I was just kind of calm, whatever. I had tested positive for strep. So Mm -hmm. 
they roll me in, the nurse kind of has an attitude with me. She's like, okay, put this on and then I'm going to check you. Because she's like, you're scheduled to be induced in a day. And I think they thought that I just was wanted the baby out and didn't want to like go through that process. So she like does my exam and she's like, oh shit. And she's like, she's waving people in and she's like, she's eight centimeters. Get the antibiotics now. Oh my goodness. Okay. So let me pause right there because some of the (laughs) listeners are like, what is she talking about? Right. So around Anytime in your pregnancy, you can become colonized with strep bacteria, which is called group beta strep or GBS. We all have strep, like, you know, we get strep throat. You can, we have this bacteria on our bodies at all times, okay? And especially inside of our vagina and around our rectum. Sometimes that bacteria colonizes and overgrowth, right? Well, A while ago, they did a clinical trial and they were looking at sudden infant death syndrome. And one of the things that they saw was that there was an an increase in sudden infant death syndrome in children that were positive, like they had had a positive exposure to the colonization of uh, GBS bacteria from from the birthing person or from their mom. And so there is also increased risk of sepsis, meaning like the baby getting GBS and then getting sepsis from that. So what they decided to do is they decided to test everyone. At about 12 weeks, they test your urine. You may not even know that when you go in and pee in a cup, they're actually like testing for GBS. And then around 36 weeks gestation, they'll do a swab, just kind of like with a long Q-tip and they'll swab your vagina and your rectum and then they send that off. And if you're positive for GBS, the recommendation is two doses of antibiotics. So you guys that are listening and we're like, what the heck was Jenny talking about? This is what she's talking about. Around her 36-week appointment, she tested positive for GBS. And the recommendation is two doses of antibiotics before delivery. Well, they're saying, oh shit, because she's eight centimeters dilated. Like there's no time for two doses of antibiotics. Like, and, and, And because they have to be dosed, like depending on the antibiotic, they're dosed either four, six or eight hours apart. So anyway, keep yeah. going. So <laughs> so you're essentially like in triage right now. This nurse is like, oh, yes. shit, she is in labor. Yes. Well, and the other thing about the they won't give you the epidural until the antibiotics are in your system. And I'm like, oh, that's th- not how it point, is in my city. <laughs> at this at this point, I'm like um, begging, screaming for the epidural and not necessarily because of the pain, although the pain was bad. It was only because I wasn't sure how pushing was going to feel without an epidural. And I was scared of that. Okay. And so I was just like, in my head, I, I just remember the light, the fluorescent lights and just being holding on to the side of my hospital bed. It felt like my lower body was revving up like an engine. And yeah, so at this point, it's like one o'clock and this nurse, so she was kind of a excuse my language she was kind of a bitch when I first got there but when she saw that I was eight centimeters she was so apologetic she was countering my contractions she taught Bruce how to counter my contractions so that it would help me because she knew she's like this girl is not getting an epidural yeah she's not she's having this baby right now and he's just gonna come yeah so 
she was an angel after that. And she did apologize to me too, because she knew she was a bitch to me. Yeah. And they're not used to seeing (laughs) women in control of their labors. They're used to seeing women out of control. So you roll in and you're like, chill. And you're like, I think I'm in labor. And then you're like, hold on a second. Uh, Okay. Well, I mean, maybe I'm in labor, you know? And so, you know, it's just so hard because we're so used to taming women with an epidural. And when you see people controlling themselves without it, like they're just not used to it. So I'm so glad she taught you guys counter pressure and was able to give you some pain relief that way. Yeah, she really, she really did. And I, I remember saying, looking, I turned back to her and I looked at her and I was like, I am going to shit. <laughs> she goes, that's just the baby. I go, oh no, no, I'm definitely going to poop right now. And then I look, looked up at my husband and I was like, don't look, don't watch this. <laughs> and so like that happened. And then they, they had a whole poo squad come in, like cleaned me like an infant. Yeah. And, and then like, that was fine. And within like five minutes after that, Gabe just, the doctor was screaming at me to stop pushing and my body was expelling this child. Mm -hmm. And so it was through that experience where I discovered, you know, Oh my gosh, I can do that. I did that. Mm -hmm. And that was really just, it was one of the most empowering moments of my life because I knew that I, I had weight lifted my entire pregnancy I had gotten in really good shape after Bruce was born. I didn't have that experience when I was pregnant with Brucey. So I didn't see all my hard work go into like having this outcome. And that to me, I was like, I did it and I did it without the epidural, which wasn't my plan. It wasn't my plan because the epidural felt so good with Brucey. And, you know, I was scared of the pushing and then, you know, him coming the way he did like rapid fire it was just an incredible experience. So it's so incredible. As a doula, Jenny, what, sometimes, <laughs> I mean, y'all, I'm afraid to admit this, but I'm going to. Sometimes my favorite births are ones like this, where they were planning an epidural and they had fear stuck inside of them. You know what I mean? And like they were mm-hmm. like, no, but the epidural feels so good. And then they had an unmedicated birth and they were like, yes, I'm a fucking badass on top of the world like you're on this oh yeah you're on a high that like I will say I did it both ways medicated and unmedicated Mm -hmm. and you go on the you are in this high that you can't it's like a freebie you know like you just can't get to that you can't achieve Mm -hmm. that level of ecstaticness without without it it was it was almost it was almost like an orgasm but not in a sexual way it really was an orgasmic birth and mm-hmm. I feel like with that birth you you talk about that high I feel like I never came down completely from that high it was this level of confidence that came to me and it was more of just like I can do hard things I can do really hard things and I had already you know taught myself that after Bruce was born in my own way but that experience alone was just empowering and I needed it because Gabe has been um the most energetic and patience testing out of all the kids so it was just in preparation for that yep I mean literally (laughs) like we I talked about earlier like this 
birth just transforms us over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And then parenting really transforms us. Mm -hmm. And each child, I believe, is just dropped into our life to just trigger us in the best ways, right? Like Mm -hmm. children heal us from our childhood wounds we didn't even know that we had because they just expose them, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just think that the world just keeps becoming a better place because we just keep growing through those experiences. So this is about the time our worlds intersected, Jenny, right? Like you Mm -hmm. had had Gabe and I saw this girl on Instagram who had abundant confidence and was showing up and she's like momming it hard and she's in her structure and she's in her routine and she's working out and she's in nature and she's grounding. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm one of lots of people that were really magnetized and drawn to your account and your presence and what you were putting out into the world. And so this is where our worlds intersect. I was wanting to reach out to you to interview you on the podcast. And then you became pregnant again. And I was like, great, pause. We're going to do this after you deliver. And then I'll never forget scrolling through and seeing your post about having twins. And I was like, ah, this is like incredible. (laughs) So Will you just take us on a on a on a journey of the twins' birth story and pregnancy? Like, what was that like to find <laughs> out you were pregnant with twins? It was not well received by me when it happened at all. So we were not planning on having any more children. Um, I had actually donated pretty much all of our big stuff: high chairs, bouncers, everything two months before I got pregnant with the twins. And um, I found out I was pregnant. I was actually working a job I did not like. I was closing loans at that time just because I was just trying to contribute to family stuff and, you know, see if that world was for me. It definitely wasn't. It just wasn't a great time mentally. I still had my structure, my working out, but I kind of felt a little detached from what I was doing. And um, yeah, so I go down to Florida. I was just not in a good mental space. I go down to Florida to see my mom and kind of connect, reconnect, recenter, reground with myself. And my mom was like, I think you're pregnant with twins what? No, I'm not. Don't put that on me. My grandmother, that maternal grandmother I mentioned earlier, she had passed away in September of 2020. And this is end of July, beginning August of 2021. And I was like, don't put that on me, mom, you know, whatever. So I go back the next week is my ultrasound and the tech is silent. And this isn't my first rodeo. So I'm like looking at the thing and I'm like, that's two fucking sacks. That's two sacks. And I'm silent. And she just goes, is this your first? And I go, no, this will be three. Um, and I you know, told her I had another loss. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to need to do an internal ultrasound. So um, you get you know, dressed accordingly. And I'm going to go talk to the doctor. When I get back, we're going to look at your babies. And I was like, oh, it's more than one. So she initially thought it was triplets. Okay. And she comes back. She's like, we're going to confirm it's just two. And at this point, I am hysterical crying. Like, how the hell I'm in this job I don't like? How the hell am I going to do this? Blah, 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 blah. And you're like, and damn, my mom was right. (laughs) And I'm like literally 
flicking my mom the bird in the place. I'm like, I, I'm going in between hysterically laughing and hysterically crying. I think the girl thinks that I'm absolutely mad. Like, and it's this, it's this immediate guilt because I've been in the chair when there's been no heartbeat. And so yeah. I feel like guilt for anybody who's grieving in that way to be ungrateful for these two lives that I've, you know, now fast forward, they're healthy, beautiful, like they've brought so much joy to our family, but like I was not in that space. So, and then of course it immediately starts, you're a high risk patient. <laughs> and I'm like, you are not going to call me a high risk patient this whole time because I'm a psych person and any words that you say to me are like solidifying in what's happening. And I, that's pretty much what I felt my entire pregnancy was they were just trying to put me in this statistic box of what happens to twin moms. And I was like, no, you're not going to do that to me. Um, I'll go to the high risk doctor because like, I want to make sure that everything's okay. But it just the the level of care to where it's kind of too much, <laughs> you know, is pretty much what I experienced that whole pregnancy. And then coming to terms with bringing two lives into the world at once was very heavy for me. And I was so sick, um, like puking pretty much the first half of the whole pregnancy. I was very, very sick. And they all they would do is prescribe meds. And I like did I just didn't want to take meds. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know what to do, but well, so. I'm gonna pause right there and tell the audience there's not a lot you can do besides surrender, right? But a couple of things. High protein, small, small snacks. So like literally like little protein balls, little um vital proteins mixed into your coffee, mm-hmm. high, high protein. When we can't eat a lot of food is one of those things that can help, right? Like, of course, there's tons of medications and stuff, but like sucking on those ginger pops, putting peppermints in your mouth, having the alcohol swabs, like taking small sips of um, bubbly drinks like ginger ale and things like that. But the number one thing I found is the like as much protein as you can get in like and if you have to drink it just drink it like add the protein into the smoothies like load it up even if you get a couple sips in it can and help but at the end of the day when you're pregnant and you're pregnant with twins like you're just gonna be nauseous (laughs) oh yeah yeah I I remember telling this one story on Instagram where I was just I had just gotten home from dropping the boys off at school in daycare and I go home and, and I just like I just puked in my front lawn like the exorcist as a bunch of neighborhood kids were standing outside waiting for the school bus and they were all horrified and I just remember oh, this little girl's face just what is happening to her is she okay you know it was just it was horrible were you like stomach flu it's okay um, you know i was like i was like (laughs) i'm okay and then the boys are just brucey specifically was just mortified oh my gosh of course (laughs) yeah so yeah so so did you did it ever like cross your mind where you like forget all this medical stuff i'm just gonna have a home birth yes i I remember telling several friends, like, you know me, I would squat over a stream and have these babies. And I honestly believe that I could have done that 
truly, I, I believe I could have done it. But my my husband and his father having the medical background that he does, everybody was collectively more comfortable with me going to the hospital. Okay. I think in hindsight, had they known that, you know, the birth went the way it was going to, they would have, you know, said, okay, we can do a home birth or go to a birthing center or something like that. But I think everybody was a little bit um, nervous okay. uh, going into the birth. All right. Well, I'm dying. I'm like, okay, how did it go? Like, how so, many weeks gestation were you? I made it all the way to almost 39 weeks, actually, what? because with the way they, they were like, we're, we have to schedule you for induction. So the way that the office and I researched thoroughly up in this area, pretty much all the offices are the same. Nobody will do breach deliveries it's like both babies have to be head down or else we won't even try okay and so I honestly I worked out the whole pregnancy I lifted I swam and both babies at 32 weeks one Jackson was breech and then at the next appointment he flipped and so I was head double head down um but they scheduled me for induction on St. Patty's Day so I show up to the hospital, walk in. I'm so nervous because ultimately my biggest fear was a C-section and like not because, oh, I want to like have all that. It wasn't anything like that. It's just serious fear about getting sliced open because that is the most invasive surgery you can have. <laughs> and I'm not only caring for twins, I'm caring for four babies or four children you know, I'm a stay at home mom at this point, I ended up losing my job in maternity leave. So like, I'm a full stay at home mom, I knew it was coming because of the way interest rates were going. But so that ended up happening. I knew I'm going to be like the full time caretaker, I'm going to have my plate is going to be full, I don't want to be recovering from a C section. Um, And so going in, I'm like, what if there's an emergency situation? I'm like, the sirens are going in my head. And I remember, New Year's Eve that year, when it was just the boys still, we went on a family hike. And on our way back, I got it was a steep incline on the way back. And I got my breathing up and I told myself I was only going to nostril breathe. And I remember looking up to the tree line in the sky and the way that it looked. And I told myself when things feel hard during labor and delivery with the twins, when I'm feeling out of touch, I'm coming back right here. Like this is the moment. And it was just the way everything smelt and it was just complete clarity. And I told myself that. So we go in the morning of, and I keep going back to that place. The nurses come in, the nurses are rock stars. I'm like, okay, these, these women are on my team. Like if you go into the hospital and you can say the nurses are on your team, like you're, you're this level of confidence, like we're going to make this happen today. So one of the nurses was just completely like, pumped to be delivering twins and then pumped that my my husband was like oh she was out swinging the kettlebell yesterday in the yard so this nurse is like we're gonna we're gonna have a rock star delivery today yeah so and was the plan medicated or unmedicated I wanted to go unmedicated okay and I had told throughout the whole pregnancy every time I went in um you know I want to have an unmedicated natural birth they're like, okay, well, if the baby, like every time I went, babies aren't head down, you're not, you're having a C-section every single time I went in. And it's like, I feel like I'm fighting them. Well, the midwife comes in and she measures me and they're tracking my contractions. They're like, oh, you're already in active labor. 
I'm like, really? They're like, yes. They're like, yes, you're in active labor. I'm like, oh. So, of course, I got a little cocky. I was like, this isn't that bad. Look at me go. I'm in here. I'm in active labor. I didn't even know it. I was already four centimeters. So both babies are head down still. For twins, you're supposed to deliver in the OR. So in the operating room, at least in Virginia. So in North Carolina, it's that way too, but it's, you are in the operating room for the birth of twin A. And then if twin B stays head down, you can leave the operating room and go back to your room for delivery. That's so interesting. That's interesting to me. Like the whole, the whole way it works. And I understand why you'd want to be in the operating room, but since it wasn't my first birth and I kind of had the unique experience I did with Gabe and Bruce, it was kind of like, I don't want you to interrupt my flow of, you know, if one of the babies is coming and, or whatever, like I'm going to labor in here. I want to have the babies in here. But I, I feel like I kind of stepped back because my ultimate goal was to not have a C-section. And I felt like they wanted me to have a C-section, especially they this midwife. They did. You didn't feel that way. They did. The, yeah. The, the midwife, like she was, she had had twins herself. And she was kind of nasty to me and um, like she was kind of rolling her eyes at me wanting to have an unmedicated birth. But so I anyway, I labored in that room. She checked me your four centimeters, whatever. I got up. I did the ball. I walked around. Um, my husband and I were literally joking the entire time. And then she comes back in. She told me, you know, if you start progressing, then I won't push for an epidural. And when she came back in at three o'clock in the afternoon and checked me, she's like, oh, you've barely moved. You're still out of five centimeters. And then my logical mind is like, but am I like, how do you really know? Because I feel like I've been laboring in here all day and there's no way I'm still out of five. I feel like she wanted me to have that epidural and I felt backed into a corner, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, I just want these twins here safely. I like just want this to go this way. So I got the epidural and it was, it was really nice. It did. It did help me out a little bit. Yeah. And then, well, I'm going to interject right there. There's a reason they also want you to have an epidural. Okay. And the reason is that we were just talking about you guys. We were talking about the OR, right? If you deliver, if you're unmedicated and you deliver twin A unmedicated, and then twin B flips. And it's not your fault, Jenny, or any other twin parent, right? It's that mm-hmm. if twin B flips, our medical society is not trained on vaginal breech births, okay? So mm-hmm. then you would have to be put under general anesthesia for the cesarean section so you wouldn't be awake for it. So they do push pretty hard in my area for epidural twin births so that you can stay awake If a cesarean section was needed because a general anesthesia delivery has more complications and can be more traumatic. So I know exactly why that nurse was pushing for your epidural (laughs) because she didn't believe both babies were going to stay head down. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She definitely didn't. Um, She did explain that to me as well. Like she's like, you, you know, you're, we're going to have to knock you out completely if we need to do a C-section. And then of course my stubborn, behind was like, but you're not going to need to do the C-section. <laughs> Cause I knew I'm like, these babies are coming yeah. and they're going to come. They're both going to come out. So anyway, but the epidural was nice. The the epidural epidural was, nice. It was nice. It okay. was nice. And the difference between this one and Brucey's is that I could still kind of feel 
a little bit. So I still felt like I had some, not control, but I could, I could monitor myself and feel my body still. Okay. Um, which is really what I enjoyed about Gabe's birth was that I could feel everything. And I felt like I just could monitor myself better and make, you know, moves with my body that felt better. Anyway, that was at like three thirty, And then all of a sudden at seven, I'm ready to push. And so they, they come in and they had a whole other team. There were so many people in the room. And then there was a med student that they asked if she could watch the birth. And I was like, sure, why not? It's so already doc- a party. <laughs> right. The doctor. So there's the midwife who's going to deliver. Then there's the doc who's staying external to make sure that baby B doesn't flip. Lainey was locked in, ready to come out. I pushed four times with Lainey. She came out at 7.10. And then the doc, like... Just he didn't even have to really do anything, and within five minutes later, I pushed Jackson out at seven fifteen. Wow. And I just remember in between the two, I am screaming for Delaney, just screaming for her, like, "Give me my baby!" And they're like, "You gotta get the, the the second baby out." So I pushed Jackson out. They immediately put Jackson on me, and the doc. I just the doc was male. And I had, I never met him before. He was just there that day. And I just remember his face was like, uh, uh, and he came over and he was like, I've never seen a twin birth like that before. She had so much control. He was like, she had so much control. What a compliment. Yeah, I know. I felt the same way. So yeah, so they, they both came out and it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. The twin experience was something that I honestly don't even have words for. (laughs) it was just something else it's so beautiful and one thing I wanted to share with the audience that I rarely get to share is like and when Delaney it's Delaney right yes okay when I thought you said that and so when Delaney was born they would have cut her umbilical cord and that Mm -hmm. umbilical cord would have been like hanging out of Jenny's vagina Mm -hmm. because even if there's two separate placentas they tend to fuse yeah we fused we fused fused. okay and so so a lot of times people ask me like well what happens with twins so you'll deliver twin a you'll deliver twin b and then you'll still deliver one giant basically placenta placenta. yeah Yeah. it's not like twin a placenta twin b placenta it's always twin a twin b and then the placenta placenta yeah that's what I actually asked the nurse I said is it gonna be baby b or baby a baby a placenta that was one of the questions I had initially too so that was it, it was a cool experience I don't even remember birthing the placenta though there was just so much going on. I don't remember that part. <laughs> yeah. And eventually you got both of them together, united. I I did. Yeah. Right. And then tandem nursing started. <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast episode, yeah, Jenny. It, it was. Maybe yeah. we should, re- maybe we really should record it at some point too. So, um, well, I've just so happy that you were on the podcast today and that we got to share your wonderful birth stories. I conclude every episode by asking everyone what their favorite like baby product or parenting product is so that if you are going to a baby shower or you're chatting with your best friend, what's something you want to make sure like that they buy or that's on their registry that could support them? So with the twins, definitely the Z pillow. If you have twins, you need a big, large nursing pillow that's going to hold both of them. I liked the Z pillow. I love the Snuggle Me organic bedside little thing for the beginning. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then bassinet. Yeah, a little bassinet. Um, and then uh, honestly, cook your friends a meal. That was something that saved me mentally. Uh, my my dad and stepmom cooked so many meals. They my dad actually bought us a deep freezer and filled it halfway with like meals and so so we could just pop them in the oven yeah and so uh, and then one of somebody who is a friend but she was never a really close friend she cooked us a bunch of food like just out of the kindness of her heart and those things like giving somebody food when they've had a baby is the best gift you could give them so food give them food yes (laughs) Oh, that's really good advice. And what your dad did for you is so, yeah, so loving. So yeah, loving. we really were so blessed. So many people like came through for us when the tw- when we had the twins. So yeah, it's amazing yeah. the people that show up for us when we need them. Yeah. And, yes, and then definitely. the people that don't. You you know we notice <laughs> things. Well, so. it's it's always good to outgrow people as well. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And having kids is how that happens, I believe. It is. (laughs) For sure. Jenny, you've had an incredible nine years to see like how much you've evolved as a person and as a parent. So before we jump off, can you just share a little bit with the audience on how to get a hold of you and if they want to buy this children's book or how they could connect with some of the important work that you're doing? Yes, absolutely. So Instagram, I'm Jenny underscore Stinny. Um, you can find me there. I have Monsters Can't Do Yoga on Amazon, and I will have I Saw a Spider on Amazon as well, which is my second book. Had a few more in the works there, and then a blog called Roots and Ripples, R O O T S N R I P P L E S dot com. Excellent, you guys. So subscribe to Jenny's blog, jump on Amazon and buy a copy of this children's book and read it with your kids. Thank you so much for being on today. All right. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like. 